You're listening to Stop Yelling, Start Thinking. This podcast is not here to tell you what you have to think, but to encourage you to think for yourself. Just like you, what we want is a healthier country. Healthier politics. Healthier dialogue. And healthier lives. So join us as we think together. and welcome to the Stop Yelling, Start Thinking podcast on the Freedomist platform. I'm Magdalene Rose, joined by my co-host Isaiah Smith and Desh Shamela, who is the producer of Better Left Unsaid, a new documentary. Thank you so much for coming on, Desh. We're glad to be here. So Isaiah, you want to kick it off with our questions? First off, I just wanted to um, ask you, Desh, like, what gave you the idea for this documentary? What inspired you to like, get out there and get behind something like this and uh, help make it? Well, um, the genesis of this film uh, goes all the way back to my first film. Uh, My first film came out in early 2019, Islam and the Future of Tolerance, um, which was tackling um, another contentious or uh, controversial subject, um, as some would like to call it. Although if you watch the film, you realize it's been look through a a different lens and I'm generally attracted to the so-called, you know, things you're not supposed to talk about. Um, So we, we did a, we did a deep dive into understanding um, a a particular subject matter in the first film. And I've been looking around uh, to see what would be the follow-up. So a fan of my first film, um, Kerja Mongol, reached out to me saying, hey, I'm working on a a new film and I'd like your advice. So I uh, gave some free advice to Kurt for a little while. And then he eventually sent me a rough assemble of what would be better left unsaid. And after I saw that, uh, I saw the potential um, and it didn't um, hurt the fact that I was beginning to worry about what is happening in the West Um, from Mm. a political um, point of view. Um, uh, I come from a country originally uh, called Sri Lanka, which um, was in a civil war for 28 years. And I have first-hand experience living through a civil war um, and also living in a country where freedom of speech is a distant idea. Um, Mm. Freedom of uh, Mm. journalism is uh, or you know the job of a journalist um, as your workplace hazards could be you may be disappeared forever uh, you know, so you when you when you seen and when you live through that you know as a child I remember seeing military outside your house with AK-47s and full uh, military gear just walking around and that's every corner it's normal mm-hmm. uh, you come uh, home from school and you know, you're you're stopped and frisked. You're just a, you know, a kid, but that's the norm. So when you've seen that, and you know, I absolutely do not take for granted the freedoms I have in the West and the opportunities. Um, uh, it's been given to me. I, I try to make the most of what I have, and I'm grateful every day. So I, I, at the time that Kurt reached out to me i was already worried seeing what's happening around yeah seeing that progression of stuff that's right and and you know the words like civil war was being thrown around yeah yeah yeah. you know people were just using these words and you know 
they miss they sounded like to some people just you know great sound bites but not realizing what they actually mean uh, to to yeah. some degree and you know when people were talking about you know the freedom of speech being curtailed or you know one part was one group was saying you know trump is hitler and the other part was saying you know joe biden is stalin like it's not how the world really is but there is a dangerous path that has been uh, you know some people started walking towards and i was really worried so this mm. film is my way of sort of you know screaming out saying hey you know, the pump the brakes to- guys let's slow down all right yeah just, I'm, just I'm seeing where this goes absolutely because you know, I, I, the the notion of freedom that you know people tend to believe in the West that you know it's like a, yeah that this will never happen or that will never happen. They're not as concrete as people like to believe. And contrary to popular belief, you know these things don't change overnight. Right. It, it it was to some people this may sound almost cliche, but you know we do need to really be cautious about uh, what can happen. So that's what led me to create the movie. We can talk a lot more because I have a lot to say about this. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And because you have sort of an international perspective on this, there has been over the last five years or so, a significant change in how we use terminology. Civil war has been thrown around. Violence to get legislation has happened. There's been a, a real seismic change there. Their left often says that the rest of the world was laughing at us under the Trump presidency, that they were laughing that we fell for this authoritarianism. Do you find that in other countries there is fear over what's happening in the U.S., even if people are on the left or the right? Is there fear over where we're going? Because the U.S. sets so many trends politically and culturally as well. Of course. Um, you know, growing up outside of America uh, and then... You know, for now, for almost two decades, I've lived in Australia. America is looked at, as you put it, is the trendsetter. And America's always had the loudest uh, megaphone through, okay. whether it's Hollywood, or, you know, films, or music, uh, whether it likes it or not, it tend to uh, scream out all of it, uh, its achievements to the world. And that sort of sets uh, a trend. And right. one part of... Uh, American ideal is just an idea of this uh, you know, perfect democracy, you know, uh, bastion of capitalism, what it can achieve. There is this idea of America, which was bigger than what America really is. And mm-hmm. in one way, it was the blessing and the curse, because when things started going wrong, like right now, the world is looking at America through a fundamentally different lens, because right. when things went wrong, uh, the world started seeing a side of America that it is, it's, it is not used to, you know, uh, and you contrast that against places that historically have had um, a different uh, outlook as far as the world's concerned. You know, I'm looking at China here. I, you know, China's generally been always presented as a country that um, lacks individual freedom. And all of that is true. But now you have the contrast of, uh, you know, largest group of people in a shortest possible time going from abject poverty to this, 
you know, almost utopian like right. development that's happening. And then you have this superpower who, you know, with the giant, and now you can see as far as the world's concerned, a steady decline. Um, I was reading the other day, um, both America and England has posted a, a steady decline of um, uh, uh, adult mortality rate, um, and this is this hasn't happened in um, like uh, like forty or fifty years. Both America, American adults, and and um, English adults have lost two years for their average life uh, expectancy, mm. and then you contrast that with what's happening in China, there's going up. Right. Again, these little things right. eventually s steep into people who are looking up to a certain, you know, this is the right way to go about it. Um, so it does have had a, a enormous impact um, where, well, maybe maybe America is not what we thought it was. Maybe it is in, in shambles. Um, yeah. you know, it doesn't help the fact that, um, as of, I believe, by the end of this month, the number of people who have died of COVID is going to be at half a million in America. Yeah. Now, again, coming from um, uh, uh, Australia, that, you know, we can't even fathom that number at this point. In, in, you know, and then even for a country like Sri Lanka, um, again, those numbers just sound insane right. that shouldn't have happened so america has a long road ahead if he were to um, sort of return to a place at least the perception of america is what it used to be mm -hmm. whether it no look you know we can have a conversation whether it, it is all of trump's fault or had nothing to do with trump or any of that but yeah i know Political ideologues will try to pin it on a thing, but it is never mm -hmm. just a thing. Right. That is, anyone who's giving sort of overly simplistic answers have not really looked at um, how complicated this matter is. This is a result of a trend that has been happening um, over time. And again, not to harp on about my film, it will only get worse right. unless certain other things uh, are, are not looked through in an early uh, you know, lens and say, hey, this is where this is morphing into. Let's address this now. That's what I'm trying to do with my film. No, no, it was, um, it was actually really good to to watch through that and um, hearing Kurt's like different perspectives on things and where things were going and stuff and how he was looking ahead at, at different stuff like what you've just been talking about here and the way that the, the freedoms in the West that we have and that and how these need to be protected and stuff. And we, you know, we look at places like China, which are, um, you know, have that uh, authoritarian governments and things like that that are going on and that and that if we're not careful, if we're not looking at um, at where we're where we're going and, and what we're doing then we're going to end up losing these freedoms and that and it's just steadily being eroded in that and uh i thought he did a good job of uh, of bringing that out and uh as, as saying that yeah i've been seeing happening over time and scares me a little bit so um and from your background seeing you know where it can go as well uh, it's a very worrying thing for you to be looking at in that if we don't do something if we don't talk about it if we don't have conversations if we don't actually start educating people in that thing yeah we just end up all over the place and it's it's not good we have two choices. Um, uh, humanity has always um, had an option to propagate its ideas through uh, violence. 
we had that option and we have done that in the mm-hmm. past mm-hmm. um but we are we have been given this amazing set of tools by amazing thinkers uh, over time uh, enlightenment values um and how we can now use a far more powerful tool conversation so right. we can actually progress right what you can do with violence is actually quite limited and that's why the more objective way of moving forward is conversation so you know th- this is where i i differ from um some some people who who find this conversation quite um, you know uh they're worried about some of the subject matter we we talk about in this movie and the pre- previous movie um because they uh, well, I want to be careful here people do come f- with good intentions right mm-hmm. uh, the idea here is you know some of these ideas may end up hurting um you know a, a certain minority group or a certain group of people if you are not careful mm-hmm. and the assumption there is just by talking about it is you're not being careful this is not something you should be talking openly now that is a huge mistake mm-hmm. um uh i'll give you the simple example of um uh, jihadism uh, or the the radicalism that can spawn from a certain ideology islam and there was a point where one part of uh, one group of people mainly on the political left who did not want to talk about it because they came from this good place uh muslim minorities uh are already in a bad place after 9/11 let's not uh add to that let's not talk about it so they just refused to talk about it and anyone who tried to they put a label on and curtailed those conversations then you had people from uh right for of mostly in the furthest of the right but then it steeped into uh, you know sort of center right as well people were trying to find um all the world's problems and a, a scapegoat one solution right. it's all because of these people and that was not a, a recipe for a conversation to move forward because it is a lot more complex than that um and with this particular like what's happening in the west we we political ideologies we have the same issue you know it's not a there are no simple solutions it's a complex problem but i firmly believe the solution starts at our ability to just be a little bit pragmatic and just talk about it and we are going to talk about things that will make you uncomfortable but you know i tell my 7 year old uh, you know offenses um not given it's taken you know you choose to be offended by something i right. say you should ask yourself why are you offended what about what i've said has offended you um, mm. uh and we west has another paradox and and science has the same paradox which is sometimes it is too good for its own uh you know self and people don't realize right. um how good things are and yeah, there is something to be yes. yeah. right uh, you know people um i don't know where 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 you stand and i and i like to believe you stand on the uh on the side of uh, science and reason with regards to this matter which is because i've just seen a giant protest in in melbourne victoria this is australia um for the anti vax rally um 
and because COVID-19 vaccinations are finally coming to Australia soon. Um, and, you know, vaccinations have done an extraordinary job of protecting humanity. Um, and because how good it has been, it hasn't been an issue. Now there is a movement to find an issue uh, within that because it, there, there's, there's, you know, it's too good to be true. And the same is with the West, right? With people who scream fascism and pointing at Trump, um, then not realizing at the same time, Trump is being called a fascist, you know, Donald Trump is the number one song on iTunes. Those two things right. don't exist if it is a fascist country. Right. Because it, it would be very different. Look at what's happening in, you know, I mean, uh, uh, countries like Belarus or, right. you know, Myanmar, you know, yes. that yeah. is is where fascism can lead yeah. to and it is in real action. Yeah. So we, we have to be able to have these conversations and look inwards. Like I, I tell, there's another thing about this, you know, Better Left Unsaid, I, I, I don't know if you guys know, Kurt, my uh, writer and director for this film, we actually disagree on many things. Uh, and in this film, there's about 20% of things I disagree. There's actually going to be two versions of the film when it comes out later in March. Um, a director's cut that is about half an hour long. <laughs> the, the cut that's, that's they're going to be available to the public on all platforms, you know, uh, we fought to get that, that cut. So, you know, I like to partially say that's my cut. Um, <laughs> again, this is because, you know, we start off, you know, I, 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 I say to people, to have a conversation, you need to have a foundational agreement. So we right. agreed on certain things and then we built on it. And then we have things we disagree, but that's fine. Mm. Yeah, we should be able to disagree by not forgetting our common humanity, right? right? Exactly, so, yeah. Yes. You know, this seems to be somehow a, a hard concept now. <laughs> you, know, you have people saying, you know, yeah. you can't have a conservative friend or you can't have yes. a, you know, smaller liberal friend. Yeah, and they want to just chop like, everybody up into these groups, put your labels on and fight everybody. And it's just, it's, it's just it just divides it's, the whole culture. Yeah. And it's 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 quite frustrating that that we we we've gotten to this point. I mean, we can talk about you know what is making us go that way, but then there's people like you know what you guys are doing and numerous other podcasts and documentaries like mine. We're fighting back, saying, "Hold on a mm. second, it's not like that. Yeah. It shouldn't be like that." We're going to talk about things, whether you like it or not. <laughs> we're going to talk about it and. What we are doing here is we are part of a movement where normalizing dissent and, you know, this uh, uh, controversial conversations, we're normalizing it. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. And enough of us do it. It's going to be hard for, you know, people saying, oh, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. So who cares if, if somebody, you know, put a label next to my name um, and, and call me something? I really don't care because that worked. For a number of years, and I think we're seeing the beginning of end of that kind of approach. Yes. It's still yes. quite pernicious, but I think too many of us are now speaking out. It is, and we should keep doing it until uh, that idea sort of dies. Yes, mm. I've got a, I've got a question for you here, Dash, on on what you were saying before, just to round back a little bit to that. Um, so we we talk about you know having these conversations and stuff, and and sometimes for us, like you know, we can sit here and we can have this conversation with 
with each other and because you know we sit here and we, we talk about um what we what we think and what we believe and um and are, and are keen and excited to talk about ideas and to discuss them um to, to kind of like um you know thrash them out a little bit figure out you know dive deep into them because it helps us as well like i think for some people like it helps um to to dive deep and help understand how things work as well to have these conversations and that but then there's there's um other people who are maybe a little bit more um you know reserved or something like that and what they see is like oh i've got they they see these people on the extremes on the extreme left and on the extreme right that don't want to talk about things that don't want to have a conversation and when you try to have a conversation with them or you try to just talk these people will start screaming at you they'll start yelling at you they'll start calling you names in the comments on facebook or on youtube or somewhere like that what is what is your um what is your advice to um especially um you know millennials and and gen z's and that that are that are keen to be having conversations and that but are scared about these these sort of extremists that are going to come after them and attack them for being open-minded not even really uh having even a fully formed idea of what they think they just want to have conversations about stuff so that they can actually help round out their thinking process and actually understand and they want to explore some of these ideas and things and actually be a little bit more open-minded as to the way the world works um well there are no there's no simple answer here right um, <laughs> but let me put it this way i'll give you an analogy um when you're learning to drive with your um you know uh, learn a uh, sign on your car uh, initially you're going to get drivers who are frustrated around you, you know, because you're too slow, you've done something wrong, or you're too close to one edge, and they're going to honk, and they're going to overtake you, they're going to go and flip the bird, and all that stuff. But remember, you are just learning how to drive. And the thing about road rage, and there's so much science around it, it is such an irrational thing that we do. You know, we would never do a lot of things we do behind a wheel in real life, right? <laughs> and we would, like, I've made a mental note many years ago because I caught myself just being irrationally mad at somebody. And then now I make it a point. I, I rarely honk. I, I, I you know, I, I tell myself, you know, that don't do it. So social media, you mentioned, is kind of like people behind the wheel right? You, you're constantly yelling. The difference is when you're in a car, once you yelled at somebody, uh, you know, flip the bird, you move on. You literally move on. Social media has this insane way of keeping you there permanently, whether you like it or not. You just angrily commented at somebody and for then another person, more angry, 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 and it's there now permanently with this, you know, angry mob yelling at you. But if you're on the receiving end, what you need to understand is for most people, that was never the intention. They just wanted to yell out of the window and drive off. Right. Mm. So mm -hmm. start thinking like, you know, when you get some hate, when, you, when you're publicly saying something, you know, publicly thinking out loud because social media invites us to do it. Wasn't the line on Facebook? Hey, what are you thinking? Was yeah. there, you know, blank message mm, back mm. in the day? Because it 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 has trained a, a a generation to think aloud in public. But then now, it is also now punishing you for doing that. Yes. But understand the punishment is is a fleeting punishment. That don't hold the person who's having that go at you as you know that's the beginning and the end of it because. 
the other thing you need to understand is uh, you know, both extremes push people to take on an ideology and make it uh, more than an idea, make it what makes you. Yeah, it becomes part of your identity. That's right. You are now identified by that ideology. It's very important for us to comprehend the reality. We're not necessarily just that idea and our ideas can evolve and will evolve and change. Now, there are some that are harder to separate. For example, um, you know, people in Pakistan and the religion, because that country was divided, right. uh, you know, it was taken away from um, India at one point, you know, and the only identity given to the people of the new country was primarily based on the religion. So for them, that ideology and, and the, 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 the national identity of being a Pakistani person is sort of so connected, it's hard to remove. There are certain exceptions like that, but generally for us in the West, we should be able to separate the person from the idea. You know? And that's a, a simple thing. Once we get our head around it, it, it you will act accordingly. So it, what people, because it's so conflated, you know, people mostly attack people. You know? And mm -hmm. once you learn to call that out and explain to people that, you know, it's not the case, that, you know, my idea is different to, you know, who I am, what I do in everyday life. Um, I think that'll make things easier. But again, the point I made earlier the more we do this openly, the more it becomes normal. I want to give a mm -hmm. little story um, that um, happened in real life. So during my first film, Islam and the Future of Tolerance, it uh, part of the genesis story for making that film was this big tour I organized. I used to be in the events industry for almost now 15 years in Australia, and we organized this massive tour with um, Sam Harris, um, and it was just a standard tour. Everything was all good. At one point, we heard of uh, this new book he's released uh, based on a conversation he's had with an ex-Islamist extremist by the name of Majid Nawaz. Um, he went to jail for his activity. You know, we tell the story in the film. Um, and we thought he was fantastic. And I thought, look, we need to get him over. We invited him over to be a part of the tour with Sam's blessing. Now, with that came an enormous security uh, complication because the mm -hmm. you know, moment we announced, we started getting death threats. Um, and this was unusual for us. Now, we've done controversial events, but this took on another level. You know, one of the people who was putting a death threat, um, now, we don't know if it is the right person, but the name matched with an Australian who went to Syria to fight with ISIS. So, you know, we had to get the federal police, the local police, the secret service, everyone involved to run this event. And the mm -hmm. final event was at this iconic place in Sydney. But if you were there at the event, uh, we show a little bit of that in the film. It looked like, you know, um, the, the, the high security entrance to a like Pentagon or whatever. You know, there was an entire police force on one end. There was like 28 security guards. And in, in Australia and in America, it may be different. But in Australia, you rarely see a security officer with a gun. You rarely see police with weapons. You know, you have everything but actual firearms. 
But this mm-hmm. day, the road was partially closed. Every security guard actually carried a weapon, which doesn't happen. We had to get... <laughs> this is how crazy it was. The venue didn't have metal detectors. We had to get them over because the police told us we had metal detectors. So people did all of that, and it was sold out. Two and a half thousand people turned up. Towards the end of the event, Majid Nawaz made a comment, and he said he thanked everyone for what they've done by coming into this you know, high-security uh, event in a way spreading the risk. You know, it, at, before the event, it was just him that we were worried about. We had personal bodyguards and all that stuff. But now all of a sudden, there was two and a half thousand people there right. spreading the risk. So it's important that we all talk about this. We all normalize this. When we all do this, then all of a sudden, people who find this sort of offensive, they're the, they're the ones who are just screaming out saying, this is offensive, don't talk about it. But everybody else is talking about it. It's not one person that they're that they're attacking. It's uh, you've actually you you got that strength in numbers and stuff like that. And you know you can actually stand and stand for your free speech. And you know you can have your ideas and you can publicly talk about them and not be um, as afraid that you're going to be you know attacked and pulled down and stuff. Because like that was one of the things that like um, I think that for young people and that not so much in in Australia where you are or New Zealand where I am um, because we're not we're not quite at that place. But in America um, where stuff is you know kind of exploding in different places and that between these different ideologies and that like when you stand up and you say something you know you don't know whether you're suddenly going to have like 20 people come at you and just like be in your face and be yelling at you or saying like that or you know if you you stand there and have a different idea some antifa person's going to punch you on the side of the head um and that's and that is kind of a scary thought um and and you know knowing am i standing alone here having to you know stand up for something and uh yeah. There's a lot of people in the documentary who are in academia. There's a lot of people who are talking about the, the problems on college campuses and how it's sort of filtered in to the rest of the country from college campuses. Did you feel that there was a, a feeling of resignation amongst these people or that there is just no way forward because I've been on college campuses in the U.S. Isaiah's dealt with a lot of young Americans as well. There is there is a real fear of saying what you believe, whether that's conservative or middle of the way or Christian. Is there resignation? And if there's not, are there solutions other than just saying what's happening? Are people trying to be innovative in what's happening on college campuses? Because if not, there's there's really nowhere else young Americans can go to build their futures or, or to have these big degrees, many of whom are going to need them to earn money in the future. Yeah, I mean, again, the reason that we are talking about is, is seeing the erosion in, in certain academic circles. Um, but here's the good news. If you look at um, uh, the overall data set, um, only a small group of people who, this is generally the case, who have the loudest voice are screaming out for certain things to be changed. Now, this is generally the case. If you let that happen, they will create policies that will then become what the majority norm is. Right. So the important thing is um, academia, um, universities, it used to be, it should be, and in the future, hopefully, um, will be. the place <laughs> where you can absolutely, the place where you can talk about anything and you're right we are at a moment where some ideas are not up for debate but the people who say that are a minority 
They may be yelling and screaming, but they are a minority. So once you remember that, remember that they have the right to say all of those things, but you also have the right to ignore them. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Get organized. See, the political far left is uh, very organized in the sense of um, how to act on the ideologies that they spout. Right, right. Now, I, I, I want to I be very clear. I consider myself um, a liberal. I'm on the center left in, in many issues. So I'm more or less having a go at people from the furthest of the left here. Um, what, what, what one needs to understand is you know the where these where do these ideas come from right. and this is what we try to explain in the film mm. they have philosophical underpinnings mm -hmm. they have mm -hmm. amazing uh ability to present it as an academic philosophy um, most of it is generally a word salad or changing uh, meaning of actual <laughs> words so yeah. what needs to happen is when this is this is this is the this is why one of the main reasons I made the movie, you know, in Islam and the Future of Tolerance, we presented ton of uh, words and ideas so people can, if when they're talking about this particular issue, they have the knowledge base to talk about it. it even with this film, the idea here is to give you historical context, uh, words that you didn't even know that you know where they come from. And an ideology, how does how did they build this ideology? Why does it sound so appealing? Right, Where does it right. come from? Where's the rhetoric coming from? Once you know that, when they are saying those things, you can easily go back to them using what you just picked up, what you just learned, and mm -hmm. using their own words to show them why ideologically the positions they are presenting are unattainable and they're actually destructive and it's going to hurt the people they fundamentally want right. to help. Right. So there's right. an action component. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, don't despair. Don't think, you know, and, and this is the thing about um, enlightenment values based, you know, reason and logic and uh, based way of building something is you have um a rigorous foundation to build on. It's very hard to break that apart. If you forget that it's already broken, if you despair and let that continue to break, there are some cracks. Of course, nothing's perfect. Democracy is not perfect. Capitalism is not perfect. Nothing's really perfect because the definition of perfection is, is individual. Like, you know, what you think is perfect will probably be uh, hell for me. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I had a podcast with an uh, evangelical Christian um, the other day uh, and, you know, I, I told him you know, uh, you believe in heaven my for me as as an atheist who um, bible's heaven sounds like hell to me i don't want that but again that doesn't you know change the fact we have we both have this basic understanding of a foundational agreement right you know so yes for anyone at universities a young person feeling like they can't talk about certain things that you know you 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 feel marginalized don't be, you are standing on the shoulders of giants. You have access to ideas, you know, films like mine and, and many other, you know, podcasts like this. You will learn 
the tools, the conversation tools, so you can have these conversations. Yeah. Mm. And when you have those conversations from a uh, place of, you know, you have the knowledge, it's hard to shut you down. Right. You know, one last thing I want to say, right? When I was making um, Islam and the Future of Tolerance, I was told I am making a, a bit of a, a toolkit for the far right to run with it and for the bigots to run with. And I jokingly said, actually, you know, meant part of the joke, which is, you know, it's too intellectually dense for someone to take a soundbite out and run with it. It was. It's it's such a complex problem. Same with Better Left Unsaid. You know, we're going to have some people take bits and pieces and try to run with it. But right. if you've when you watch the movie, you'll realize, you know, there's a lot here. You can't just there's a lot down to a sound yeah. There's parts, those parts I'm watching it and I was like, oh, I just skip that back and I'll watch that bit again and just uh, contemplate that a little bit. Okay, yeah, I think I got right. We'll carry on now. It's good. It's very, very deep. It's really good. Yeah. And it's by design. It's by design because we have a complex problem and we have a solution. We've tried our best to make it as simple as possible. But, you know, my definition of, you know, simple doesn't necessarily mean very simple. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's an important point for young people as well, because there is sort of a feeling, especially in America, of this is it. It's over. We're not moving past this. Doesn't matter if there's a Democrat or Republican in the White House or who controls the Senate. There is constantly going to be this never-ending assault against each other, and it's really, it's not a sustainable thing when the when Congress has an approval rating in the teens. Like this is not a sustainable way. So I think an action component is necessary. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Well, that was um, that was really good. Dash really enjoyed that talking about know, kind of action things that people can do. How to how to like actually make some positive change. Um, you know, kind of equipping people in it. and yeah, stand up. You know actually say something have those conversations and stuff like that and um you know in the in the places of the university like you're talking before and that with you know if if you start standing up and you will find other like-minded people in that and uh, i think saying that um, we talked about on on the podcast here a little while ago was with it with the extreme left in that like they're actually they're, their ideas like they conflict a lot with each other they have different ideas and they tend to actually fight amongst themselves an awful lot in that and when you when you stand up as one person by yourself and just kind of say hey we'll ask something like that then they all will mob together and kind of attack that idea but if you actually kind of go and ask them and go and have those conversations with those people and that and start um you know questioning and querying their ideas and stuff you'll start finding that they'll start all falling apart themselves because they'll be in fighting amongst themselves oh well actually i don't agree with what that person's saying and this sort of thing like that so when you can get together and you can actually start like um and then that it breeds healthy debate and um you know you actually get some get get somewhere and it helps fleshes out you as a person and understanding and that sort of thing and you're not being run over by leftist mobs as much it's important to, I, I, I want to stress one thing, right? It's important we don't fall into the trap of, you know, and, and I find this extremely frustrating when I see this, you know, um, AOC destroyed by this person or Ben yeah, Shapiro. I hate that. You know, I really hate that. Um, something yeah. by some. It, we don't operate like that and we, we shouldn't operate like that. We shouldn't otherize. We shouldn't make people like, you know, they're a target practice for yeah. whatever ambition we have. You know, we, uh, you know, I, I love a good debate, but my intention for the debate is not necessarily to win. You know, of course, winning makes you feel good, but, um, you know, you don't want to be wrong for a second longer than you should be. And mm. your answers may, you may not have the answers. You may even not know you're wrong. So you should, we should 
always when we talk to somebody start in a, a place of good faith let them present their you know idea and then try to understand it in in a meaningful way and let them know you're not there to break them down because as i said earlier right when it is an ideology that you sort of it, it, it your identity is attached to it when you're trying to sort of attack the idea they feel as it, it's very personal so that's why things get very heated right mm. it's important that you appeal to them a common humanity and you know start figure out a foundation that you at least agree on it may be the thinnest foundation and then you can build on that and be okay to be wrong you know yeah. i am yeah. more than comfortable being wrong i don't because i don't want to be wrong for any longer than i i, I need to I, uh, so it's important that and also you know give a little bit of charity to the other side and we've i don't understand when did this happen is you know when people say something to us we take that one something and give it the worst possible intention that person mm. must want to yeah. do you know blah and that's why i really don't like the intention like the, those titling yeah clickbait they they kind of fun at some point but what it the impact it has overall is actually it's just short term gratification and long term division among yeah. people and and do you think that i know you talk a lot about like where moderates fall in this in the documentary as well and sort of their struggle to exist right now especially moderates on the left in the in the madness of what's going on because they don't want to be labeled just like people on the right don't want to be labeled with the extremist tag do you think that one of the ways forward from from what you observed in the interviews is to really have a candidate especially in the US because that really seems to be where this is branching off from to have a real charismatic moderate candidate or politician trying to lead some sort of moderate revival of policies on the left because we people think that that is in Joe Biden but I don't think he carries enough you know personality and, and forward thinkingness in his own party to do that well i don't think the answer lies in a charismatic leader uh, if it is um and you know obama was that right, obama right. was the the one of the most charismatic political leaders mm. in the world you <clears throat> you know for some people he was the savior right he was you know again as an atheist i i say this jokingly he was jesus christ yes. risen right as far as for some people he was meant to fix everything yeah. but if you read his books if you look into his policies he wasn't anything like that the idea of obama is bigger than barack obama himself right, right? yeah now the problem with when you rely on a person to do that it is important to have competent leaders 100% because they inspire others to follow some of that or the idea of that person yeah that's important what america needs is a fundamental uh, systemic and i know this word has been misconstrued by you know people but when i say systemic i mean american political system you know how elections are run is unusual for the rest of the world yes. right in australia and in new zealand as well election cycle is maybe 30 days uh, you know maybe 40 days that's it beginning to end right you have political parties from differing sides but we don't have this prolonged right. election cycle right. never ending right yeah. <clears throat> 
you know, so Joe Biden has probably another year to do what you know anything, and then he now has to start figuring out what's happening at the midterms, and then what happens in 2020. That's insane. And yes. part of the problem is you have your pl- plurality uh, wins this this popularity contest, which is not really about the most popular person. The democracy American election system is actually a broken system. So when Trump says the system is rigged, he is right. And this is mm-hmm. what a lot of people find uh, uncomfortable to acknowledge because, yeah, give you an example. There are, let's say there are four candidates, right, running for an election and candidate one gets 30% of all the votes and these three get the rest of it, you know, equally divided, right? But they don't, somehow, 70% of the country said no to this one guy. But because he got more than the other three, he is now leading the country. Right. Anyone should be able to see there's something wrong with that whole system. Now, in Australia, we have ranked choice voting, right? Yes. And I think... Yeah, you know, and I think in New Zealand as well. So the system. No, we is, don't, but we need it because it yes, screwed so, us over in the last election. <laughs> so now, uh, in, for, for your listeners who are not sure about what ranked choice voting is, it's a very simple system. We have the four people running, and you know the person who got thirty percent doesn't automatically win, but the person who has the lowest automatically loses. But the people who vote for that person had an opportunity on their ballot to put more than one person they can rank i give my first vote for person a and if that fails i give person two my vote and then the next person so what happens is when the counting happens the counting happens until one person gets 50 percent plus of votes all votes so the last person goes out that vote then divide up among the three people okay if this doesn't get the person at 30 percent to 50 great then the third person goes out and their votes get divvied up, you will inevitably get majority pushing one person up. Right. Now, the byproduct of that is right now in America, there is, you are appealing to voting blocks, you know, and they sway elections. That's why Democrats pander to, uh, you know, uh, um, black and brown people. That's why certain Republicans go for the white people, like in a rule of uh, white people. So when you have ranked choice voting, it doesn't really work because it'll only get you so far on the ballot. Mm -hmm. You have to appeal to everybody. When you have that, you know, and, you know, I give this example. You know, we had a, a conservative government in Australia pass uh, some of the, you know, like everyone talks about Australian gun laws, you know, and it was a conservative government who did that. Right now, we have a conservative government. I mean, it has its own failings or whatever, but it's the government that basically paid people salaries during a pandemic. You know, it, these things right. in a traditional conservative government, you would never that hear, was, right? Yeah, Those yeah. things won't happen, but it happened because they're not appealing to a voting bloc. They have to appeal to the, the majority. When you do that, the rhetorics from politicians have to come down. And the problem in America is everything is politicized. A, a mask wearing to uh, a, a climate catastrophe is now divided among political lines. You, um, that will has only gone worse 
with the advent of social media and it will only get continue to get worse you know and because of that you have your media also taking sides right. only a handful of media act as what news media used to be and others are have may have a tag at their news but they're not they are pandering to a certain audience because it mm-hmm. works in the current system so now come back to the point that's why you need a systemic change and the american constitution is not written in a way that you can't do that it's it's up to ind- independent states and i believe alaska and maine already have rank choice voting um and it if two of them can do it the rest of them can do it too you just need enough um you know willpower and enough people asking for it you watch american political landscape will change if rank choice voting starts in America. Mm. Yep. Yep. I, I 100% agree. We actually talked about this um in a couple of episodes ago on on a podcast here we talked about different voting systems and that and I talked about what you guys got there in Australia and I was just like this this is this is like, there's it's not 100% perfect but it definitely it just it makes a whole lot of things work a lot better and you end up getting a government that actually the majority of people actually want and can be happy with um might not always be happy with what they do or anything but that's what people actually asked for this is the thing in america as well if you want to implement this um it's it, it once it's normal like in australia we get it completely but well it's not true um some of us still don't get it because i know um i had to explain to my partner um in, uh, last a couple of years ago when we had the elections you know she was 100% sure uh, so i had to explain because i I'm, i'm invested in it um but it's a system that works and to explain this to americans um to have this seismic shift in how they vote it will take some political courage and it is going to be you know again to be organized if you want uh, you know, from a Uh, level of like university level this if this change were to happen it's not going to happen in the in the next four years might not happen in the next eight years but the pro you know you need to be organized now slowly build support for something that will then happen uh you know down the track but again i know it can be done and i i was actually listening to andrew yang the other day um and he is for it i mean he's got a book coming out where he's encouraging all of america to uh, look into this as mm. as a uh, ideal candidate and which is good so this is what needs to happen more people talk about it everyone like okay i need to understand it slowly it'll happen and and what what that what that system also does is it um takes the power away from over time not maybe um initially but it actually starts to take the power away from a two party system which is just working on dividing people into two groups to um and then and then farming votes from those and trying to push people this way or that way you know they don't care you know and this thing like the right doesn't care um so much about the people oh, I'm not going to get them the moderates the people in the middle that's what they're fighting over they've got their people that are hard on their side and then they're fighting over that middle ground um but when so you've got So this is the that, thing somebody you know like i, I had a, a few podcast people ask about third parties in america and how will they work uh, unfortunately it's a noble idea but it it is designed to fail in the current system it mm-hmm. won't work there's I mean, so many people have had uh, this kind of uh, they've formed parties i mean i've spoken to there's there's a group called save america movement there's uh, uh, brett uh, uh, winesin has a unity 2020 all these third party models 
they're designed to fail in the current system. Now in Australia, in, in, in New South Wales, um, you know, when there was elections, there was a party um, for fishermen. Um, there was a party for gun owners. Uh, you know, there was a party for, um, because um, there were strict lockdown laws before it was COVID for music venues here. And so the, you know, artists got together and created a party, the artist party or whatever. You know, there's a reason party, uh, the Christian party. Now, it sounds like you've scattered everything, but if you are enough you know, if you get enough votes in the ranking system, then you have power. You know, right. you can then influence the larger parties because they need your vote. Mm -hmm. You know, they need your vote to eventually get the majority. Then everyone collectively get a little bit of what they want. And when you get everyone getting a little bit, then you are by design coming to the middle. Right. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask you sort of in closing about the, the documentary, one of the things that I took away from what you've said is that there's an action component once you watch it, and there's also things you can learn from it. But what was something that was very surprising to you when you were watching the footage, when you were talking to people? What was the thing that stood out to you about like, maybe a misconception you had or something that was shocking to you? Because a lot of times people on the in politics, we feel very knowledgeable about things, and then we see something that changes our direction or changes how we were going to view things in the future. I think, you know, again, I, I said earlier in the piece that I, you know, I consider myself um, uh, politically liberal on the, the centre-left. Um, the thing that surprised me is some of the ideas that I loosely knew, um, the origins of it, like the, the postmodern inspired Marxist ideas that have become so commonplace in America. You know, when, when Seth Rogen tweets out uh, a, a Marxist idea, you right. know, I don't think he actually knows where it comes from. Yeah. It's just mm. knowing that how, you know, multi-millionaires have normalized certain terrible ideas. Some of them I, I knew and I, I, I took it for granted and thinking, you know, these are these seem to be great ideas. But knowing the underpinning, just really digging through the history and understanding the philosophers, why they thought the way they thought, who preceded them, like the Enlightenment thinkers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was how these idea battle of ideas have then turned into a political movement that then eventually end up being an experiment over many, many countries. And the result, the, the whole process, just seeing the timeline was definitely an eye-opening, um, you know, uh, experience. And, and we, I tried to create that, you know, with, the, yeah. with, with, with Kurt, we try to create that to show people. And, you know, earlier there was a comment about like, you had to go back and watch a little bit. Generally what I get nowadays is people watch it twice. Um, mm. and, you know, I've, I've, I've now done about 24 podcasts and I've had at least 60, 70% of people saying they've watched it twice yeah. because it is quite dense, but it is important because you will miss little bits and pieces because there's only so much you can do in a 90 minute documentary. Mm -hmm. um, there will be a lot to get from it. Um, yeah. And be patient, might feel like a deluge of information and feel free to go watch it again. Um, and it's there, it's information rich for a reason. Yeah.
And I think that's an important point. I hope more. I, yeah, I had to watch it in sections as well. You know, Isaiah, you were watching it in sections too. So it's a it's a good thing to break down so you don't have to have information overload. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find your documentary or keep up to date with news about it? So the documentary is currently in the uh, hands of uh, Google, uh, Apple, and Amazon. <laughs> we have uh, submitted it, and uh, we have been told it will be available to the public towards the end of March, and just waiting for the final release date. Um, we finished the film uh, uh, early, well, late last year. Um, it'll be available at betterleftunsaidfilm.com. It will, uh, if you want the director's cut, um, or you can directly buy it from the website. I recommend doing that because as filmmakers, it, it is uh, all uh, proceeds from, you know, buying it from the website comes right. to us. If you go through Apple, Google, uh, you know, like iTunes, et cetera, and Amazon, uh, they take a giant cut, but that's okay. If it is easier for you, it'll be available. My, my final request is uh, help us normalize these kind of conversations. If these documentaries mm. do well, for me, you know, documentarians like myself, we don't make it to be millionaires. This is not a, uh, you know, area. I have multiple businesses. This is not the business that makes me money. This is the one that loses money for me. <laughs> but it is okay if people see it. So right. please go ahead and watch it. Let's get this on, you know, iTunes top 10. Like last time, one of the reasons why Islam was successful for a number of weeks, we were, uh, you know, uh, number one in like 30 countries, which is great. And that then makes other people like, why is this thing here? Let right, me right. It sort of has this perpetual sort of notion. Mm -hmm. So please, when the movie comes out, watch it. I guarantee you, you will get something out of it. Um, and it'll be worth any dollars you've spent. Perfect. And I'm so glad to have you. Thank you for coming to the Stop Yelling, Start Thinking podcast. And we encourage everyone to check it out when they, we will provide all those links below in the description on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Take care. We hope to keep you more free, more informed. Because I believe, as I hope you do, that informed people tends to be a free people.